Hi, everyone, and welcome to Oh My God, I Can't, the podcast about everything and nothing at all. Welcome back. We've got Chan with us again. Hey, Chan. How are you? Doing good. We're glad to have you back. So excited. We're trying something new. Are you ready? Oh, I'm so ready. Okay, we're about to do a threesome. Everybody at home. Nobody's naked. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's not that kind of party. (laughs) It's not that kind of party. (laughs) We've been wanting to do this, and we thought, you know, this whole podcast idea was really uh, the brainchild of Steffi and I talking about how we always have so many conversations with our friends and what they go, what our conversation flow is like and like all the weird stuff that we talk about. But I thought, don't we always talk in groups too? Like when there's more than two of us in the room, we won't stop. So Stephanie, can't stop, won't stop. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. We're so glad to have you. I'm excited to do this three-way. I know. You're the silent assassin of the group. (laughs) You don't say a whole lot, but when you say it, it's powerful. It's true. Oh, okay. Real confident. <laughs> I love that. So for those of you at home, we've got two. Uh, actually, I don't even know if these are going to be two separate topics. They kind of tie into each other. Um, I know a lot of us that, a lot of the guests that I've had on the on the show, we all travel a lot. I mean, based on just what we do for a living. Um, I've been on the road nonstop for like the past three months. And I've got about 12 days where I'm going to be home locally. So I'm super, super excited about it. Um, but we were talking about it and Stephanie brought up, like, maybe we should talk about some like airport, um, mishaps that have happened or rather things that you've seen or witnessed on a plane. And I thought, Oh God, that's true. So the first one I wanted to talk about, I actually didn't see it, but I wish I did. God. <laughs> Stephanie told me the article. So you're going to have to like chime in. Cause this was something that you brought to my attention. I don't know why I was so affected by this. I don't think it's funny. I think it's horrible. I really do. I think it's terrible, but I think it's funny. And I'll tell you why I think it's funny. So, Stephanie, why don't you start with this article and what the gist of it is? Well, the gist of it is is there was a passenger on a flight. Um, it was coming from California to Texas. San Antonio. Yeah, Texas. Well, just being specific, <laughs> that's where he was going. And, um, he was masturbating on the plane. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Almost the entire flight, from what it sounded like. Oh my god, I can't. Well, it was thirty minutes. No, it was the, that's not the whole flight. It's like a two hours. So like a, 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 a it's portion. A long of masturbation. It's okay. a long time. It is, but it's a portion of the flight. Let's just get it right. I don't want the guy to think that he was doing it for two hours. He really was doing, romancing himself. Yep, for really thirty minutes. But th- okay, it's not funny. But wasn't okay. doing it very well. What I thought was interesting about the story was that his wife was with him, which is his no. wife was sitting next to him. Yep. Did but your know? favorite part of the story. My favorite part of the story, because all I kept thinking about is, this could have very well have been me. As many flights as I've been on, even just this month, this you, could have really been me. You need to clarify okay. what you mean by that. Are you the man? No, yeah. no, 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 I wouldn't be doing that. I'm not the wife. So apparently they dim the lights in the cabin. I guess it, maybe it was a nighttime flight or they were, you know, it's wanting romantic. everybody. They, yeah. yeah. So mood lighting. <laughs> and, um, I guess some, one of the passengers on the plane started to kind of like catch on to what he was doing. And I don't know if maybe he was like under a blanket or making a motion. I don't know, but she was, um, she was very sure about what he was doing. Mind you, his wife is sitting right next to him. Was he in the window? Was he in an aisle? I, I imagine it no. in the window. <laughs> no, I think okay. he's a middle seat. I would think. I don't know. I imagined him in the window, but it didn't say. <laughs> I know in my mind he's in the middle. 
It doesn't okay. matter. Anyway, okay. he's a pervert and a creep, but he was on the plane. Got it. So anyway, this woman, and I guess maybe a couple of the other passengers were sort of like onto what he was doing. And so the woman who was interviewed for the article, I don't know why I thought this was funny. It's not funny. I'm not making light of it. But I thought it was funny because the person that wrote the article was very clear in stating that the woman saw him and they locked eyes. <laughs> And he continued to do it. <laughs> now he was doing it for her or to her. I, that, well, that's or what... Or in thought of her. It was unclear. So... <laughs> what would you do? Now she's violated. Could, I could thinking like... Would you look away? But how could you look away? And that's my point. Like, oh my God, if I saw somebody doing that on a plane... Like a stand down. I'd have to see what happened. <laughs> you don't catch somebody doing that to look away quickly. You catch somebody doing that to see how it ends. Now, <laughs> I... Am I, I wrong to say? I do. <laughs> oh no, I totally do. And I get it. You know, you say that. Have you ever seen somebody masturbating though, like looking at you, like whether it's in a car or on a the stranger? side of the street? Yeah. This no, has happened to I don't me live twice. in San Francisco. <laughs> this has happened to me twice. Once in Los Angeles and in Harbor City, I was, was in naked? my truck. I look over. I remember this. Oh. Was he naked? Right. I was, well, no. I was on my way to work, and I felt somebody looking at me. I remember and the story. I turned around, and because I was in a truck, I was up higher. I look over, and he's got this huge smile, and he's just wanking it right in front of me and just looking at me. What's the problem? He's in his own car. I know, but the the problem is he's staring at me. He wanted me to see. So that's that's my point. The lady was in the plane with him. She wasn't okay. Uh, what he did to you was terrible, and that he did that clearly no, to I'm, make you uncomfortable. No, I was bringing it up because at first I was like, we were joking about wanting to see the end. You actually don't. You tried to get away really fast. <laughs> well, I think maybe the, and all, the, the end is all the same. We all know the what happened. The end is the same. You're right. I think the circumstances are different in the sense that you didn't know if he was going to follow you home and try to do something to you. You were in a car. You didn't know if he was armed. True. He's been through security. I mean, he was armed. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the guy on the plane, he's been through security. He's not armed. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have a gun with him. He doesn't okay. have a knife. The woman on the plane, they're in the same space, in the same area for all intents and purposes. It's tight. It's not always easy to just get up and excuse yourself. You know exactly what I mean. I mm-hmm. want to know what the wife was like. So at the end of the article, it said that the wife was interviewed at the end because they did stop him. Who did? The flight attendant? The flight attendant. They don't have enough to do? I don't, I don't, it didn't even sound like they stopped him in the middle of the act, <laughs> but they did like arrest him at the end of the flight for lewd behavior. And then they interviewed the wife who said... Oh, I knew he was doing it, and I helped him a little bit, <laughs> so I that she threw herself under the bus. <laughs> I mean, that's loyalty. And they both got like charged I mean, with it, lewd behavior. It could have been a thing with them too. They just took Maybe. it public. That's the issue. Mm-hmm. Is that but they when took he it was staring at the woman across the aisle, what that's is the wife me. doing? I don't know. But all I kept thinking about was I was in the most cramped and delayed flight coming home from Portland a couple of weeks ago, and if that happened to me, I don't even know if I'd had to have it in me. To look away. And I don't even know if I would like tell on him. Because I don't really think of myself as a snitch. So I don't know what I would do. I would probably just tell everybody I know what happened when I got home. Would you can continue to watch though? Or check in? Yeah. Yeah. You would film him. No, I wouldn't do that because that's not me. I, I mean, I think that's a private moment. Granted, he's putting himself on blast. Private. <laughs> private. <laughs> he's on a plane with 200 people. But I'm not someone that's going to pull out a fucking phone and just start taping somebody without their permission. I think that's weird. He, he seemed like he wanted you to watch. <laughs> my, I mean, listen, it, I think it's very easy for us to all sit in judgment and say, oh my God, I would totally turn away. I would call the cops or I would tell the flight attendant. You don't know. I think you'd be watching it too. 
That's some weird shit. I just think plans are so dirty, though. Yeah. It's that filthy. <laughs> well, filthier now, too. <laughs> I thought about... I, I actually thought about that story when I was flying back from Mexico. You want a blanket? I was thinking, like... <laughs> no, they don't They don't give you blankets anymore. Yeah, they flights. do. What flights are you flying on? Delta's oh. really generous with a blanket. Do you get blankets on? No, you only get blankets on, like... Intercontinental. No. Do they even say intercontinental? Why. Yeah. Delta will throw a bitch a blanket for every flight. No. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Not like a two-hour flight. Yeah, they do. If you ask for the blanket, they'll give you the blanket. It's customary in first class if you get the upgrade. Wow. But if you're on a flight in well, Delta... Well, first class, there you go. Yep. Well, not that I'm paying for that, but if you are on a flight in Delta and you're like, listen, I'm a little bit chilly. Can I? Get... I'm always cold. I've gotten many, many blankets. And the weird thing, I'm so my mom... Sometimes I'll steal the blanket and put it in my purse because I put them in um, I put them in Gloria's crate. So she's got a ton of Delta blankets. So does my mom's dog. Okay. They're disposable. Did the man have a blanket? That I don't know. Hmm. If he did, then maybe he was flying Delta. And they packaged it back up and gave it to you. And now it's in your dog's crate. <laughs> that's why she's crying. That's, what's, <laughs> that's what she's been licking on for the last half hour. <laughs> Anyhow, he was arrested. I'm sure he got a fine. Hmm. There was a picture of him in the article. He's been publicly embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Is that enough? Okay, on the topic of traveling and flying and just shit that happens to you, this doesn't really tie in with the guy that was, you know, playing with himself on the plane, but <laughs> it, this happened to me at the airport. So a couple, was it a couple months or a couple weeks ago? I can't even remember. I shared the story of what happened when I was waiting for the insurance to clear for my treatment. Remember that story, Stephanie? I do. It was horrible. I acted like an absolute idiot. Um, but I went back to the doctor's office and I met poor Cynthia. I remember the one that I was threatening with my own health. Yes. <laughs> and she was really nice to me and I was able to apologize to her in person for my behavior and, um, how upset I got about the whole What did she say? <laughs> you know what's really funny? And again, I'm not saying this to make myself sound better. She didn't seem that surprised by my behavior. She was like, no, it's fine. It was cool. Mm, she's like, dealt with that before. That's what I'm saying. Like, I <sighs> surely was not the first person to get that upset over you know, a situation that had gotten totally out of hand based on like insurance and the pharmacy and all of that shit. So, um, that to me was very enlightening that she wasn't really, that's, I was so nervous to see her and I was like being really nice. Like, Oh my God, hi Cynthia, your hair looks really good. <laughs> so good bring, her, bring her a goodie bag and <laughs> <I know>. makeup. <laughs> I'm really sorry about what happened last time, but she was, she was super cool about it. Um, but we ended up getting the insurance clearance now cause I'm up for that treatment again in September. And it's done. So we're clear. That's not going to happen again, at least not to that level, because I've been cleared. Okay, good. Great. But it got me to think, especially now that we were talking about what happened with that guy. I don't know why I'm still thinking about that guy on that plane, but um, do you remember what happened to me when I was hospitalized after I was on the, was it the last treatment or the treatment before? I can't even remember. I've been on a couple of treatments. Well, I remember the story. Um, it was a new treatment. You, yes. It was like the first time you'd done it or something. Totally. Yeah. Okay, so uh, for those of you at home listening, uh, I've been on a couple of different rounds of medication. Uh, The first round of medication that I took was actually an injectable, which is very, very common for MS. It's very similar to like an injectable that you would do if you had diabetes. So it's one of those, it's horrible. It's one of those, um, they send you a bunch of syringes and three times a week, so like every other, usually it's like on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you inject yourself and you have to move it around because if you mm-hmm. don't, then it could like boil and get really gross and awful. Was this mm-hmm. the one that the nurse had to come to your house to yes. do it? Yeah. Yes. So they send like a nurse to your house to show you how to do it, to how to be essentially be an IV drug user. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that medication ended up not working out. It fucked with my liver and I ended up going off that medication. And then I went on another injectable. And I did that for, I think that was like just maybe like shy of like a month and a half or two. And then I went and saw another doctor 
and she was, what's interesting about healthcare is I've learned a lot. And what I've learned is that if you go and you see a specialist, there's two schools of specialists, okay? The first specialist that I saw was older. She was probably in her late 50s, early 60s, and she was based in Orange County. And then the second specialist, she's young. She's probably my age. Very, very young, okay? <laughs> and she's based in USC, so she would go, she would be, she would qualify as like a younger one. And when I went and saw the newer one, because I wanted to go somewhere closer to my house because I live in LA, she's based out of SC, she was telling me, she's like, oh my God, there's this brand new drug on the market right now. And do you guys remember, I think, I, a lot of people called me because it was the first MS drug that had a commercial. Do you guys remember? It was always like during daytime TV. And people call you for every MS People call me situation. for every MS person. <laughs> yeah. but it, And I'm not going to say the name of the drug, but the drug company was airing this commercial and it was this woman that had MS. And she was like living her life. Like she jumped into a pool and she looked really great. And then she ended up going to this like carnival with this really good looking guy. And she looked like she was having a great time. Mm -hmm. And I vividly remember watching this commercial as I was feeling like absolute shit going, I want to be just like her. Like she looks like she's totally living her best life. Right. So the doctor mentioned this drug. And I said, is that the one with the commercial? And she says, yes. I said, sign me up. Done. And it's an oral treatment. So it's two pills a day. Mm-hmm. So after taking these horrible injections, which were leaving like blisters and sores all over my body, I thought, this sounds great. It's like a vitamin, but twice a day. So here is what I want everyone at home to write down, because this is something that is only going to serve you in a good way later. If you ever take a medication and the side effect is flu-like symptoms, run. Don't walk. That shit's horrible. And when she told me, oh, you know, with this, you may experience some flu-like symptoms. It's the most common side effect. I thought, oh, that sounds mild. And as I was experiencing these side effects, I remembered when I had the flu. Do you, have you ever had the flu? Yes. I haven't had the full on like need Tamiflu kind of situation. Okay. When you have the flu, because it, it, it came crash, it all came, you know, mm. crashing back to me. You feel like you're fucking dying. If it's you have, debilitating. <laughs> it's debilitating. Okay. Can't move. Can't get comfortable. Can't sleep. Awful. So I said, okay, yeah, that sounds super mild. I'll take that medication. So I started this twice a day treatment. So the way that the treatment works is that you start it at a low dose just to see how your body takes it, right? So I started it and I think it was like 10 days at the lower dose. And then after the 10th day, then they double the dose. And that's where, that's the dose that you're going to be taking forever as long as you're taking this drug. So I started taking the low dose and I remember immediately I was like, oh my God, I feel like shit. This is horrible. I mean, it was that sweating, mm -hmm. that nausea. I mean, I can deal with anything, but nausea is the worst. Nausea, sweating. I mean, it was really, really bad to the point where I was standing and I would feel dizzy, sweating, and then I was freezing, and then I had to sit down, and then I had to stand up, and then I had to lay down, and then, I, I mean, everything, like your body ate everything. And I kept thinking to myself, like, when is this shit gonna pass? Like, this is awful. So I ended up calling my doctor. It was like day eight. And I said, listen, I'm not really doing well with this drug. I feel terrible. And she said, well, as I said, flu-like symptoms can be very different for everybody. So you might have a more extreme case. So I said to her, I said, this dose is about to go up in two days. And I'm terrified because I have a trip. I have to go to Seattle and I feel like shit. And she said, I just need you to grin and bear it. You're going to be fine. Once you get through this, it will be like nothing. It will be something that your body will be used to and you'll be able to adjust to it. Mm. So I'm in Seattle. And I was with the gal, actually. We were on a business trip there. And I remember the next day thinking like, oh, God, that dose is going up and it's going to be bad. And I doubled the dose and it was horrible. In a hotel. I was in a hotel at work, trying to be pleasant. I mean, just, I mean, it was at the point where I was violently vomiting three, four times a day, mm. shaking uncontrollably. 
And then, you know, like we all do. Are you feeling okay? Yeah, I'm great. I feel good. Just a little bit tired. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Horrible. So I ended up going home on the plane and it was just awful, awful, awful. And I remember I had a trip to Vegas two days later. And I remember thinking to myself, like, oh my God, I had back-to-back meetings. And I just kept thinking, like, you're going to get through this. And once you get through this, this is going to be great. And you're going to be just like that woman in the commercial. Mm-hmm. She you're going to be at the carnival. I'm going to be at that yeah. carnival. She had her own pool. Like, she was totally doing it. So the night before I have to catch this flight to Vegas, I remember being super sick and I, I ended up staying the night at my mom's house. She lives close to the airport. And I said, mom, I'm, you know, I'm going to stay here because I don't, I don't think I can make the drive in the morning. And I, I have to go to this meeting because I can't call out and say I'm sick. I need to go to this meeting. So this is where the story is kind of interesting. It's one of those moments that I'll never forget because I think it's one of those, it's a great moment for my memoir when I eventually write it, which I won't, but I think I'm going to do a verbal memoir one day. This okay. is it. It's happening. Yep. Up all night puking. Just feeling awful. Get up in the morning and I start getting ready for this trip. And I know thought, oh God, thank God the flight's only like, what, 45 minutes. And I'm just going to go to this meeting. And then after the meeting, I'm going to say, listen, I'm not feeling well. I'm going back to the hotel. I'm going to crash. So I get ready for this meeting, um, hair, makeup. And I remember, and this is where, you know, I think when you spend enough time in the beauty industry, you become a shallow, awful person on some level. Okay. <laughs> Let bit. me rewind. I've been throwing up incessantly for about two weeks at this point. But you have a full face of makeup on. Full face of makeup. And because I've been thrown up and I couldn't yep. keep anything down, like I was kind of thin too. Couple lashes. So you're feeling yeah. real good. I was, I was a little bit skinny, you know. Pants are loose. That's right. And it was one of those moments where I got out of that shower and I was doing my hair and I was like, it was that moment where I thought like you could full on do a shampoo ad. Like a really <laughs> great hair day. Like everything was working in my favor that day. Like amazing outfit. Really, really great hair. I beat that face into the ground. I thought, let me do like a couple of lashes on each eye because I feel like shit, but I want to be the person that feels like shit, but I showed up, right? So I remember right before I left for the airport, I looked at myself and I was like, God, you look great. It was just like that moment where I, I was really proud of myself. And I thought, talking, you know, talk about soldiering through. I really did it. I got, I called an Uber, got in the Uber, drove to the airport. Got to the airport, got out of that Uber, walked right to that bathroom and puked my guts up. Okay. Then I went through the TSA. (laughs) Put on some fresh lipstick. Fresh lipstick, piece of gum. (laughs) Yep, brush my teeth in the gross sink at the airport. Disgusting. And I was waiting to board my flight. Now let me back up. Because remember I told you I got this this prescription from my new doctor. But before I went to the new doctor, I closed out with the old doctor. This really wonderful MS specialist based... Um, in Orange County, her name is Dr. Courtney, and I will always, always credit her for this. And when I went and saw her for the last time, I said, oh, you know, I feel really good. I've got a doctor that's close to my house, and we're going to try this new course of treatment. And she wasn't sold on it. I could tell. Mm-hmm. And before I left, she said to me, she said, you know what, let me, let me get a blood draw because I want to make sure that we're checking your liver. And I said, well, I know my liver is fine. And she said, no, but you have that weird tendency. Your liver was doing some weird stuff. Let me just do it. It'll take two seconds. Let me get a blood draw, and then we'll know that you're fine. And how, how far before this day was this it was like a day or two before mm-hmm. so i'm waiting to board my flight okay i've got my luggage in hand because i just had to check i didn't have to check a luggage i just had one and i'm waiting and people like the first class people are getting on i'm next my phone rings and it's a 949 area code and i knew i was like oh that's weird that's dr courtney i pick up the phone and it wasn't dr courtney but it was the guy like uh, he's like a nurse practitioner that works with her mm-hmm. and he says to me he goes Oh, where are you? And I said, oh, I'm actually, I'm, I'm getting ready to get on a flight and go to Vegas. I have a business meeting. And he said, are you going to be going to Vegas? I said, yeah, I'm waiting to board. He said, you need to turn around and take yourself to a hospital. Your liver, your liver is shutting down. Oh my God. And I remember thinking like, wait, what? <laughs> 
I said, I don't understand. He says, you need to go to an emergency room right now. This is dire. Your liver is shutting down. We just got your liver enzymes and they are through the roof. You need to go to an emergency. If you want to wait to go to Vegas and go there, you can do that, but you need to go. And I kept thinking like, where, can you imagine the people at the ER in Vegas? I'm like, no, I'm going to fucking go here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I turn around. I go back outside of the airport. I grab a cab. I call my mom and I said, can you meet me at the hospital? I'm going to Torrance Memorial. Apparently my liver's shutting down. Mind you, I've got my roller suitcase with me. Great hair and makeup day. <laughs> I'm in a business outfit. So my mom says, wait, what? And I said, just meet me at the ER. So I call my best friend, who calls our other best friend, because you know how women are. We have to mm-hmm. tell everybody everything. And Selena says, I'll meet you at the, we'll meet you at the, um, at the hospital. So the, <laughs> the cab driver drops me off at the hospital. And I go into the hospital with my roller suitcase. <laughs> How are you feeling at this time? Are you still Awful. like vomiting? And- Awful. I feel like shit, but I'm in such a state of shock. Like it's just such a strange moment to me. Mm-hmm. So I walk up to the front. And mind you, before I got there, I said to them, I said, what ER, the, the Dr. Horton's assistant said, what hospital are you going to? We're going to call them right now and tell them to admit, admit you right away. So I go to the front and I said, hi, I'm Jessica. You know, my doctor just called. And they said, they looked at me and I could tell they were like, what, you're sick? Right? Yeah, Again, this woman looks amazing. Great hair and makeup. <laughs> like, they probably thinking this bitch got blowout and we got her makeup done at the mat counter before she came to the ER. And I said, yeah, I mean, my doctor just said, they said, okay, they put me right through. I didn't even have to wait. They're like people in line. You know how long it takes at the ER. They put yeah. me right to the front of the line. They knew you were, they were waiting for you. They were waiting for me. Okay, so it was kind of like my celebrity moment, my Mm -hmm. moment. So they put me in the back, and the doctor comes out, and he says, we just got your blood results from your doctor. We're going to do it again. And he came back, what, like 30 minutes later, he said it was worse. So just for those of you that, and I've learned a lot through this whole thing. So apparently, like, normal liver enzymes are supposed to be anywhere from, like, 25 to maybe 60. Mine were 1,400. Wow. So the guy, at this point, my mom shows up, right, with her and all of her Hispanic panic. (laughs) <laughs> she shows up and she's panicking, right? And the I swear, I w- sometimes I wish that I wrote this stuff down because I'm not making it up. So the doctor says, you know, we need to monitor this because if it goes any higher, we're going to send you to UCLA because you need to be on a liver transplant list. Oh my gosh. She starts panicking. What did your right? mom do? She's freaking the fuck out, right? And me, of course, I don't want her to freak out and have a mm-hmm. heart attack and have to deal with both of us. I'm like, no, it's fine. I feel okay. <laughs> so this is where it gets really funny. So at that point, they were like, we're going to find you a room. And I said, I'd like my own room. Of course. (laughs) Because I knew this was going to be a long haul. I knew I was going to be there for a minute because he was telling me that they're going to have to flush the liver out and that could take anywhere from days to weeks. They had no idea. So they put me in a room with this woman and I don't want to be that person, but I was like, listen, I have MS and I have a very compromised immune system. I'd like my own room. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to be difficult, but I'm not feeling well and it probably won't be pleasant for her to hear me puking all night long as we're sharing a bathroom. So they said, okay, just hang out here and we'll see if we can find you a private room. At that point, here comes Selena and Aaron. Mind you, I'm sitting there with a the blowout, my blazer, everything. Okay, <laughs> looking blazer. great, sitting on the bed, waiting to get Your my own overnight room. bag. Totally. <laughs> Selena comes in with Aaron, and Selena sits on the bed with me. And this is where we die laughing to this day. The nurse walks right over to Selena. She goes, okay, honey, we're going to get you taken care of. You're going to be good as new. Because <laughs> she looked like shit. Selena. <laughs> she works from home, and she looked awful. So at that point, I was like, no, it's actually me. I'm very, very ill. <laughs> So they put the IV in me. They got me my own private room. And I was there for eight nights. Eight nights and nine days. And they flushed that fucking liver out. And it was horrible and awful. 
And it was so bad, and this is probably TMI, but one of the things to be mindful of, again, I'm going back to flu-like symptoms. Mm -hmm. When you hear that, run. It's fucking petrifying. So it got worse. As I was there, like, I started to feel like I was dying as it really started to get progressively worse. And I didn't have this, I'm so sorry, everybody at home, I hadn't had a bowel movement in seven days. So all of that, and I felt, because when your liver shuts down, everything starts to shut down. So this really sweet nurse, super cute guy, he was like, well, we can give you an enema. I was like, if you give me an enema, I will kill myself. I'll never be able to get past it because mm-hmm. it's just too embarrassing. Right. So they actually ended up giving me some old-fashioned prune juice, and I was good to go. And uh, nine days later, I was home. But, I mean, I guess if there's a bright side to it, they figured out what was causing all of this. I was immediately taken off that drug. <laughs> the funny thing was is when I told my doctor about it, she was like, oh, we've never heard of that. That's never happened. That's such an anomaly. That's never happened. You're the first. I was the first, which again, when you have a chronic illness, you'll hear that a lot, that those symptoms are something that we've never heard of. We've never documented it. Suffice to say, a couple of months later, I got a call from um, the doctor's office that said that indeed that I was not no longer the first person. It happened to a couple of other people and that commercial is no longer running. So you do the math. But my point is, is if you ever get a drug and they tell you that the side effects are flu-like symptoms, take your ass to the hospital immediately. All right, ladies, the end. So fun, right? It was fun. It was our first thruple. You always have to make it weird. Just. <laughs> I know. Everyone at home, thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to follow us on all social media at OMG I Can't Podcast. And also listen to us wherever you find your podcast. So make sure to subscribe and give us a rating. Thanks again. Talk soon.